are listening to Listen, the show where me and a guest rank and debate things in pop culture, making arguing on the internet fun again. I'm really, really excited about the show today. Uh, my guest is my good buddy, Steve Carter. Steve is a speaker, an author. Uh, he wrote the incredible book, Invitational Life. You definitely need to check it out and read it. He's a co-host of two amazing podcast, one in which he co-hosts with Sam Acho and Sam Ponder called Home Team, which they discuss sports, faith, pop culture, social issues, an incredible show, seriously one of my favorite podcasts, as well as the podcast, another amazing show, Craft and Character. You want to subscribe to them both. Uh, you can also follow them at Steve Ryan Carter. Steve, welcome to List It, man. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. It's always good to be with you, bro. Dude, I can't wait for today's show because we, we were, we, we, I feel like we've come up with a pretty good, uh, 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 concept here because we're coming off the NBA, the weirdest NBA draft in, in our life, probably, uh, absolutely our lifetime. Uh, mainly because we didn't get a chance to see most of these guys play in college, but kind of inspired by that, I wanted for us to do our own sort of draft today where we, where we rank our own favorite fictional athletes from movies. And, uh, you know, cause there's a lot of different slots that make a good movie character athlete. Uh, 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 Steve, uh, where in kind of the, the pantheon of movie genres, the sports movies, where do they rank for you? Oh man. I honestly, I, I do love dramas that are actual based in real life, you know, like a, a TV show, like Mad Men or yeah. the Ozarks, like something yeah. that just feels like real. I, those are always going to be probably be number one close seconds, always going to be sports, you know, whether it's the TV shows, Friday night lights, or, you know, the, the movies, like I just, there's something about it that just draws me in. They're coming to age stories. They're just they're I, I feel so connected to the storylines, whether in humor or whether in kind of just, uh, thinking, I just, I, I love him. And, and Steve, a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Um, you know, the, the person who's engineering the show today, um, really dropped the ball, did a terrible thing and forgot to record the original intro that we did. That person will be publicly shamed. And that person's name is Jesse. His last name is Carrie and he's a real bonehead <laughs> and forgot to hit record. But before on the original intro with Steve, we, we talked about your love for the last dance is for you that the pinnacle of sports entertainment aside from other from actual sports yes i mean <clears throat> honestly okay so here's a here's a bizarre thing and i can i can prove this with instagram uh messages so when the nba you know rudy gobert gets like you know sick they cancel ncaa tournament cancels um i knew that the last dance was like in process so I found the director, Jason Heher. Yeah. I found his like Instagram handle. He had like 400 like followers at the time. And I just started messaging him and I said, Hey, you can save humanity yes, by releasing the last dance early. And he wrote back and he was like, Hey, send an email to ESPN. We're, we're working our, 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 you know, our tails off. We want to be able to do it. And so I sent like, I just kept sending him emails yeah. and then I sent ESPN emails. And then like probably like seven weeks later, I heard that they had bumped it up yeah. and I was like, and I just wrote back to him. I'm like, I think I did my small little part of humanity <laughs> in 2020. So, yeah. You in 2020. So, so, but, um, that, that was amazing, you know I mean? Because you have this storyline that, you know, we all connected with and, yeah. you know, I, I just, I, I felt like it was my childhood. Uh, it was just, was it, 
it had all of the the, the greatness of Jordan's competitive, the storyline, just the way it was done was fantastic. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I, I've watched it three times, I think, through already. Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable. Well, Steve, without further ado, we'll jump into our list. Steve, you have 10. I have five choices. Um, I'm going to start and then you go. I'll do five. You do 10 and eight. You, I'll do four. You do seven and six. We'll go through and hear our favorite fictional movie athletes. Here we go. So my number five, and I feel like my I feel like this is very important for any any sports movie is to have the wingman, right? Have the Scotty Pippen, right? You gotta have someone on the team that's the complement to the superstar, or else the whole dynamic of not just the movie, but the real team falls apart. Okay. He's a setup guy, the Stockton to the Mateams Malone. He is the shake. To the bake. That's why it's got to be Cal Naughton Jr., right? Here's my case for Cal Naughton Jr., John C. Riley's character from Talladega Nights. Most of the film, he's perfectly content in that role as the wingman, okay? You, we, you know, we were just talking about Last Dance. If it, when Scottie Pippen tried to step in to the MJ role, the whole house of cards came tumbling down. You got to have the wingman. You got to have a guy that is willing to set up the main guy and is willing to play kind of second fiddle because for Pippen and Cal Naughton Jr., second fiddle wasn't that bad. What, what's your take on Cal Naughton Jr. as a sort of movie trope athlete? Oh, I think it's a fantastic choice. I mean, and and honestly, like his one liners. Uh, and how he just became like this steadied character voice, just always agreeing with Ricky Bobby. It was just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And you just kept wanting more lines from that guy. And I just, I loved it. I loved it. When they're all sitting at the table with the kids and he's just, I mean, I just like all of his lines when you, you just, you just watch him and you're like, dude, I love this guy. And just his delivery. It's just so dry and earnest. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, I love you. What? Nothing. and if you're if you're Will Ferrell's character, you know, then you, you got to have you got to have the wingman. If you're the superstar, right? If you're Montana, you got to have Rice out there pulling down balls for you. You know, like that that's what makes that's what makes the role so good. Okay, Steve, uh Cal Naughton Jr., my number 5. What is your number 10 and 9 on list okay. of fictional athletes? So number 10, uh this this is going to I went with movies that I love and I watch a ton when it okay. comes to sports movies. This one's going to be a little bit of stretch. Uh let's see if you can get it. It it's not the coach of Notre Dame, but it's okay. got the same name. Brian Kelly. This was the this was the character's name. Brian Kelly. I'll give you the next clue. Okay. He's played by Christian Slater. Oh man. I should know it. I feel like if it's play, if he's played by Christian Slater, all right, help me out because the, okay. yeah, yeah, the, Steve, I'll say this, man. I'm not often stumped on pop culture references on this show, but this one, okay. Uh, any more hints here? Okay. Uh, his brother dies and he <sighs> has to figure out Tony Hawk is in it. Oh, is it Gleaming the Cube? Gleaming the Cube! Yes, Gleaming the Cube. <laughs> I, I mean, this movie, I just, I love Christian Slater. Yeah. Like, just skating through the window. I mean, here's a guy who is learning the, the bomb shelter where they made all these like 
had the boards and just Tony Hawk and he's driving for Pizza Hut. But Brian Kelly, Christian Slater, I mean, that was like my movie when I was in junior high. Well, hey, look, anytime an athlete in a movie is, you know, living in the shadow of some loss or tragedy, it makes it makes them a better athlete yeah. in the film, at least. You yes. know, it is it is a trope that always works, you know? It, it's it's Rocky in Rocky Four, not just because he's going to end the Cold War by beating Ivan Drago in the Soviet Union on Christmas morning. No, no, no. Christmas it's because he's avenging the, the the deep loss of his friend Apollo Creed. Anytime you have a loss, it just makes a movie great. A n- great number ten choice, uh, uh, Steve. Hey, yeah, real quick though, does does Rocky Four is that a Christmas movie for you? Because it is for me. Because it's Christmas Day. I mean, I'm just saying. Hey, any any movie that has a passing reference to Christmas <laughs> is a, like when people are like, "Is Die Hard a Christmas movie?" Of course it is. Of course it like, is. It's at a Christmas. It's it, the whole movie. Take, the the movie would not happen if not for a Christmas party. Like that's the the entire plot hinges on the fact of this company gathering together at Takanami Towers. For the, yeah. which weirdly, just one thing about that. What company has a, the company Christmas party on Christmas Eve? Come on now. Exactly. It's terrible. And, yeah. It's usually, it's like a week before. Who's going to the company Christmas party <laughs> Christmas Eve, man? Like that's a, that's a small nitpick, you know, not to, but yes, Rocky Four, absolutely a Christmas movie. Um, be, because yeah, the, the fight takes place Christmas morning. Of course it's a Christmas movie. Uh, Steve, number, number nine pick. You get, you, you have, uh, 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 the shredder, Brian Kelly, number 10. What's number okay. nine for you? N- number nine, um, he's a former Ohio State quarterback turned FBI agent. Dude, Johnny he's my number Utah. four. Bring it right now. Bring on Johnny Utah. <laughs> Johnny Utah. I mean, come on. When you get you getting grilled by your boss and your response is, I caught my first tube today. I mean, it's just, and you got to have a Keanu. I didn't go with him for the replacements, but I felt like this movie and you had Brody. I mean, it's just the whole, that the presidents is like Robin Banks. The whole movie's amazing. Yeah. But Johnny Utah learned how to surf. It's fantastic. Man, I knew I knew you. It was the Rose Bowl. Three years ago, you beat SC, right? You? You did this. That was, that was one hell of a game. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you got nuked in the last quarter or something. Yeah, I got my knee folded back about 90 degrees the wrong way. Whoa. That's why you never went pro? Two years of surgery. Missed my window. Went through law school instead. Law school? You're a lawyer? Wow. Well, life's not over yet, man. You're surfing. Lawyers don't surf. This one does. Okay, I, I need to say this about a Johnny Utah because he was actually number four. I'm just going to talk him right now because he's number four on my list. I put him in the category of the superstar golden child trope, right? So this is the this is the person in the movie or in real life who's not always the leader. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they they are they're very talented. They're pretty fearless. But like Johnny Utah in Point Break, they can be pretty reckless. They play with yeah. a lot of emotion. So like, here are some, here's, I, you can tell how much time I put into, you know, <laughs> my, this is how I spend my mental energy now, Steve. Here's some real life sort of uh, analogs for Johnny Utah. Okay. Guys that are supremely talented, great leaders, uh, but, you know, maybe don't all, but, but their recklessness sometimes I would put him in like a Yasiel Puig category. Like no one questions his talent. No one questions. Just like Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah, we find out. I rewatched the sand football scene this morning, early this morning, the beach football scene. Johnny football. Okay. 
he he beat USC in the Rose Bowl, Steve. Okay, yes. he would have been in the NFL. We learned from Patrick Swayze that if it wasn't for a brutal knee injury, Johnny Utah would be in the NFL. But I do feel like he plays with that recklessness. We see him. In, in that beach football scene, Johnny Utah, yes, he can throw from the pocket. He'll throw a deep ball. He's also not afraid to take some sacks. He takes yeah. a brutal hit. And he was running a read option in the movie. <laughs> yes, he was. Not only that, he's got closing speed. When, when, when Swayze picks him off, Utah chases him down. He, but it's that recklessness. That's why I put him in the Yasiel Puig, kind of Johnny Manziel, T-Mac. You know, all the talent in the world don't know if they get over the hump. That's why I don't have him higher because I don't feel like he's that, you know, kind of fearless leader. But he's the guy you want on the squad because you know he's a playmaker. He's going to make some plays. Well, and how amazing is it? Because after he makes that tackle, all those guys are about ready to crush him for like mm-hmm. ta- tackling Brody or Swayze. And then Swayze goes, "That's Johnny Utah." <laughs> like he recognizes yeah. him, you know. But like it's just yeah. this moment, like, I, I, like I just got tackled by Johnny Utah. Like he's super well, fired up, you know? So. Well, and I love to because Johnny Utah stole him from the pocket. He's, he's, he's taking snaps in the shotgun where Swayze's doing trick plays. I, like I said, I rewatched the San Swayze's doing like laterals and stuff. Okay. He knows he's outmatched. He knows the only way he's going to beat this guy is by, you know, the annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Right. Because Johnny Utah is doing play action deep bombs. Right. And he's getting every one of his receivers involved. That's the other thing you got to notice. Oh, you know, the whole red hot chili pepper are getting reps in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, Steve, we're, we're up to your number, uh, uh, let's see, uh, uh, eight, seven and eight picks okay. for, for fictional athletes. All right, number seven, I'm going to go with Billy Hoyle, um, Woody Harrelson Jr., White Man Can't Jump. Um, rocking the old David Robinson, Nike pumps, uh, yep. just bad shorts, backwards hat. He and like, you know, uh, Wesley Snipes were just fantastic. And I just love the, love the thought of him on the sideline and going, because I, I remember going out to some of those courts trying to play when I grew up, my dad yeah. would like take me to them just to toughen me up. And I, and yeah. I just, you know, you're just there. You're, it's hard to get on that court. And somehow yeah. he did. And that jump shot of his, that's so ugly, just dropping. I just loved it. Yeah, it, the, you you have to love the ugly jump shot person, you know, because it, it, they get slept on. You know, someone comes out there with a janky looking shot and everyone's like, but again, we've seen it happen. Remember Boris Diaw in, in, uh, you know, he's got this weird shot where he's flinging it basically from his eye line, right? It's almost this two handed weird thumbs out thing. You sleep on him, you leave him out in the corner and guess what? He's knocking down deep ones. I love it. I love any janky jump shooter that you sleep on. And Woody Harrelson, that was the entire, that was the entirety of the character. The entirety of the hustle in that movie was people visually sized him up and was like, he probably sucks at basketball, you know? Yeah, and I, it's like he he watched Larry Bird's jump shot and just like became a method actor. You know, if you yeah. watch those two jumpers, they're so yeah. similar. You know, so yeah. I lo- I love him. I love the scene with Rosie Perez and Wesley, and they're talking about, oh, you, you can't hear Jimmy. You know, like you can listen yeah. to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. And like just the the cultural references, the you know the uniqueness. I just I think it's a it was a, an important movie for me in my my junior high years. And I love having that guy on your fictional squad, no matter what the sport is, yeah. because it, there's, there's the old adage in sports that winners find a way to win and losers find a way to lose. If you got that guy on your team, you might be a little shady, but you're going to find a way to win. He's sort of he's he's, he's a little Belichickian. Yeah, you know what Bel- I mean? Yeah. Like, like he's coming out on top. 
He's coming out on top of the street hustle, right? But he might be point shaving. He might be figuring out something to, to 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 bend the rules a little in his favor, you know. But you, I'd rather have that guy on my team than on my opponent's team, you yeah. know. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Um. Okay. The next one I had was uh Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn, uh, Charles yes. Sheen, Ma- Major, Major League. League. Um. I mean, just I mean that whole squad could be on this list, yep. you know. I yeah. mean, just, but just the character the, I think it was the glasses. Um, I mean, just that whole movie, uh, again, it's Cleveland and just, it's funny, but I love, I love that character. Yeah. And the, the great thing about, uh, a Ricky wild thing yeah. is, you know, for every, I feel like he was a, a very validating thing to watch as a kid because, you know, he, he really, he had one skill. And that he could throw a baseball really hard. He wasn't good at anything else. No. He was kind of a, a screw up in life, you know. That this the 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 move one of the opening scenes of the movie is getting getting out of prison. Yeah, you know. Yep. And it's like as a kid who's maybe you know been in your share of scraps, and you're like, look, man, I'm never going to be the best athlete on the field. But what if I could do one thing really good? Thing. You know, it's like remember Kathy Ireland's character, Necessary Roughness. It was yeah. like, dude, she didn't need to be the best player. She could kick. She was a phenomenal kicker every every good team and every good sports movie needs that specialist yes and you know and ricky vaughn was the specialist you know he was he was happy gilmore his but his fastball was a long ball you know yes well i think it's i think it's so good and it's like you know i think as a kid you realize oh i just got to find that one strength i mean i think that's what strength finders was built on you know what i mean just find that one thing you're good at and just just go for it you know i mean that the, the way his hair looked with it shaved in yep. like the, I mean, the glass, I mean, anything that guy did, it just, it was awesome. You know, and he was a fashion his own, icon. Yeah. His own personality, which I just loved. How's the hold, Eddie? I'm a little tired. I'm throwing every piece of junk I can think of at him, Skipper. I got enough left for one more hitter. Nah, you pissed a hell of a game, man. Take a seat. We'll see if we can get this guy out for you. Right. Good game, Eddie. Give me Vaughn. You want Vaughn? I know he hadn't done very well against this guy, but I got a hunch he's due. Good job. Good job. Well, it's it's a great movie, and and it's funny that that is your uh, uh, seven and eight because I made an amalgamation of two characters that are both played by the same guy. Uh, <laughs> if Wesley Snipes' characters in Major League and White Man Can't Jump, uh, Sidney Dean and Willie Mays Hayes, <clears throat> I just kind of combine them in one character, and they represent to me the freak in every movie. Yeah. They are the best athlete on the field all the time that, you know what I'm saying? Like they always represent, they are the one who, who is when it comes to pure talent, Sidney Dean and Willie Mays Hayes, there's no question. They're the best ones yeah. all the time. They both happen to be played by Wesley Snipes. Um, but 
you know, they can be really great teammates, as we've seen in both of those films, or they can be very selfish ones. You know, I think that, you know, that's sort of the character arc of White Man Can't Jump. You know, he's willing to betray Woody Harrelson at one point, but later he throws the alley-oop to prove that White Man Can Jump for the ultimate hustle, you know? So yes. their, their yes. personality is kind of a wild card. Right, you never know what kind of day you're going to catch them on. They're so it's it's sort of like a much they're basically like much less volatile versions of like an Antonio Brown or something. You know what I mean? Oh. Like obviously someone who's got crazy talent, but you never know what their personality is. Steve, do you see that kind of character in a lot of real life? You know, uh, uh, kind of sports too, along with sort of being a movie trope. That freakish, the super talented one, but kind of a wild card. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think Kyrie represents that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think people would say, you know, like, hey, some days you're going to get like this this really incredible, uh, you know, uh, young bloods, Uncle Drew kind yeah. of personality, and others like going to be really just to himself. You know, Antonio Brown the other way, which is more probably drama oriented. But yeah, you get these guys who are absolute freaks. Yeah, on the on the on the field or on the court, um, and somehow. I heard a leadership coach once say some of these athletes or creative geniuses can gain energy really, really quickly, but they can lose it three times as fast. Mm. And I think that's when you're at a level, whether uh, athletically, creatively, leadership wise, you have to maintain that level. But man, for, for a lot of these guys, the simplest things can trip them out. Um, you know, yeah, it's funny you say that because it, it, you know, even that metaphor, what what, say it again about gaining speed and losing speed. Yeah. You can, you can get like the the most creative people on the planet, most like talented and gifted athletically leadership wise, they gain energy really quickly, but they'll lose energy three times as fast. Like some kind of negative comment comes in some kind of bad play. They can just spiral so much quicker than they can actually gain the inspiration. Yeah. Well, what's so funny is that the ultimate visual metaphor for that larger metaphor is the, probably the most memorable sight gag from the major league films, which is Willie Mays Hayes breaking have has a big lead because he's a fantastic base stealer and he's he's full speed, but when he comes sliding into second. He slides too early and just comes to a grinding halt and gets tagged out. It's one of the great visual yep. gags of honestly any baseball movie. It's really funny. Yes. It still holds up, but it's the perfect embodiment of that metaphor, which is look, man, you can be the fastest guy off first base. You can run the whole baseline, but if you get tripped up too early, you're out just like everybody else. Gone. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's so good. Steve, you're, you, you are welcome to use that in a future in ca- craft and character uh, insights. And I think you should probably play the clip from Major League to really bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> deal. <laughs> deal. I'm in. Before, before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I want to show a brief clip from my friend, Willie Mays Hayes. Play the clip. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Number, we're on uh, uh, five and six for you, right? Yes. So this one, this, these two kind of go together in the transformation phase, right? There's two characters that I think get transformed and they just become somebody else. I'm sure you have one of these on your list, but Scott Howard, uh, Michael J. Fox, Teen Wolf. I mean, just this guy who's trying to hide this character within (laughs) him and then just goes to a point of just embracing yeah. that inner beast. I think this is like where that idea of beast mode comes oh, from. Oh, for sure. Um, Quite literally. This sense, 
Yeah, you know, and so that there's domination there. And then the second one is is you know probably one of my all time obviously favorite characters, um, but it's Adam Sandler. But when he becomes that character that we know as Bobby Boucher, uh, that that uh, here's a guy who doesn't have very much to offer. I mean, he's just a water boy, yep. and and yet something triggers him, and he can just absolutely destroy people. And and again, I love any movie that brings in you know an espn announcer or some other like just periphery characters that we all know in culture and i just thought that movie was just fantastic so those those would be two okay so i want to unpack bobby boucher for just a second here because are you a little uncomfortable with the construct of that film which is here is a low key just great person right totally content being the water boy you know, but also gets picked on, okay, and, and yeah. is also sort of, uh, uh, you know, taken advantage of, <laughs> and and the way he the way he decides to express his frustration and stand up for himself is acts of extreme violence on the football field. Like he's basically <laughs> somehow this schlubby guy who just is a quiet dude steps onto the football field and has so much aggression and so much defense of like his grandmother that he turns into Lawrence Taylor. Like when you start peeling back the onions on this, this gets like taxi driver dark really fast. (laughs) Don't you think though, that most like strong safeties or like white linebackers in the NFL have experienced this. (laughs) Don't you think it's it's a real story. Like some kid was a little overweight, got made fun of. And then like in fifth grade just started to like, Oh, man, I, I start to form out yeah. and then just never process that well with a therapist. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to kill dudes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's a real story of, it, of much of the 80s and 90s. It probably is. Know? I think the last of that breed, honestly, of that that guy, because this is before, you know, the, the water boy and, and, and that whole character came up before like the AAU sort of kind of more coddled yeah. athlete. Genera- and I'm not throwing shade at people who play in, in you know, different types of organized sports but you know the culture right now the sports culture has evolved where mo- y- 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 there are more sort of like ball family kids than there are that sort of like downtrodden kid with a lot of natural talent who releases their untapped potential on the field right now kids are developed from a pretty young age but i feel like the last of that breed especially that like hard-hitting middle linebacker was Ray Lewis. I bet if you hung out with Ray Lewis when he was a kid, he wasn't like the Ray Lewis we see like stomping around today, giving motivational speeches at like to the, to Ford executives or whatever, you know, whatever Ray Lewis is doing right now. Yeah. Which I'm sure it's probably what he's doing is doing corporate motivational speaking. He was probably like the shy kind of kid on the outside and his whole career has just been built around proving everybody wrong. Do you think he's kind of the last of a dying breed like the Bobby Boucher's? Yeah, oh, I I agree. I think you're right with the the kind of AAU. I mean, there's so much because now every athlete is a a potential sponsorship. Yeah. Every athlete's a a potential shoe deal. So all these AAU kids are just yeah, that coddled, recruited. There's a whole piece to that. But you know, Ray Lewis, I think you're right with that. Um, I've had the privilege to hang out with him a couple times, and and Ray, like you know, Lewis isn't even his real last name. I mean, that's it. it, it like he took a different last name. Um, you know, because his, his dad bounced and I think there was a lot of him finding who he was and, you you know, so I think there was a shy piece and then he'll talk about moments in his life where all of a sudden something was called out Mm -hmm. and he could find a place to just channel all that energy. Jordan found that on the basketball court. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 I think I think that's that's the uniqueness of the 80s and 90s kids. Yeah. Is somehow they channeled it to a to a to an action. I think a lot of these other guys are channeling that to uh Instagram. Yeah. Or yeah. some, you know, channeling it to like, look at me. These other guys channel that to I'm gonna crush you. Yeah. And I think Bobby Boucher is a, is a good testament to it. Yeah. And, and you see the here's another one. He's not a football player, but someone who I can see that sort of Bobby Boucher, like meek, kind of humble, but get him on the right, get him on the field and is an absolute killer. It is is Kawhi Leonard. Is a guy yes. who I mean he he doesn't seem to have any take any exceptions with people kind of ribbing him for his uh, off court. I want to say meekness, but it's not even that. It's more of just sort of a combination of. I mean, this is me looking. I've never met Kawhi Leonard, but how the, the, the perception is it's a combination of shyness and just really not caring, you know, but yeah. y- you can also see he's someone that always has something to prove on the court and is very and channels it to be a killer like Bobby Boucher was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's what ma- I, I totally agree. I feel like that's what makes a lot of great sports characters is their ability to provide some sort of analogy for character. Obviously, the, you know, whether it's uh, Willie Mays Hayes or, uh, you know, Bobby Boucher or, or Johnny Utah, we know who the filmmakers are thinking of when they create that character, you know, and that's kind of the fun of it, you know? Yep. Um, that's so good. That's so good. All right. All right, Steve. So uh, that was, let, let me, okay. So that was uh, five and six. Okay, I'm going to do my number two, and then we'll have you do uh, uh, four and three. Okay, my number two is the role that I call the overcomer, right? So this is a player who, you know, probably had a pretty rough family upbringing, okay? You know, like something bad happened in their childhood. Uh, They they may have done some time uh, in some sort of correctional environment, you know, juvie, something like that, and they come out, and it's not so much like the Bobby Boucher where they're like mass social anxieties or shyness or something it's like no no this person has made some mistakes has a really rough background but you do not want to get on the court on the field or in this case in the ring with adonis creed played by michael v jordan in the creed reboots you know the the film's open you find out this really traumatic backstory of this poor kid who uh, you know, his father never acknowledged it or ne- never m- possibly even knew about his existence. His father was a former heavyweight champion who who dramatically died in the ring. And, uh, you know, he is released from juvenile dis- detention, wants to pursue a career in boxing, has just found out, you know, who his father really was. And he's traveling to Tijuana to fight in unsanctioned fights before going to fight the guy that killed his, his father that he just found out about. He is the ultimate overcomer, like... Oh gosh, this kid's got a rough backstory. But this is the kind of thing when you're watching, like you're a big college game day guy. I mean, you do a podcast with 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 Sam Ponder, who does a great uh, does NFL Countdown. The great thing about both those shows is, especially if you tune in around like uh, two hours before game time. So like college game day, you're tuning in around like 10 a.m. They always do one of these stories, one of these profiles on an athlete who like, oh, you're not going to believe it. All six of his brothers are in prison right now for, you know, whatever, you know, and grew up in in a train car outside, you know, like just some crazy story and how they overcame all this adversity. That's what Adonis Creed represents, that sort of trope. I can tell the way you talk. You've been to school, you know, so I figure you got some brains. Why would you want to pick a fighter's life when you don't have to? If Apollo was around, he would tell you that too. He ain't around. 
I've been fighting my whole life. I ain't got a choice. It's always about a choice. I was in the ring. I saw how it went down. That fight should have been stopped. I should have stopped it. Maybe you wanted to go out like a fighter. Maybe you did exactly what he wanted. I think he'd rather be here talking with you. I love that because I actually had Rocky Balboa as one. Yeah. Uh, my number, my number three. But I, I, I cheated because I think every character in that that movie could be one of these ones. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and I, I think Michael B. Jordan was an amazing, amazing, uh, just character. I think your storyline is spot on. But I mean, again, just that whole, that whole family. Each one of those characters could be one of on this list. I mean, obviously Rocky Balboa. I mean, you got Mick, you got Apollo Creed, you got Ivan Drago, you got oh, Clubber yeah. Lane, Mr. T. I mean, every one of these characters and the whole movie is kind of almost based on what you're talking about in regards to this overcomer, because the movie, I mean, what was it like rejected by every place? And Sylvester yeah. Stallone was like, Hey, I'm going to make this movie. And I think the first one, like, I think total had raised, like, I mean, uh, went for like $260,000 to make the movie and what it's grossed over the course of its lifetime is just, you know, insane. Um, yeah. but that whole series is like the, the epitome of like what Philadelphia is all about, you know, overcoming. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and there are so many great real life examples of, you know, not just the Rocky character too, but even like the, the one that, um, you know, Michael B. Jordan ex- explores in Creed, the, the, you know, someone who did, who overcame like a really difficult, troubled background. I mean, I live in Virginia, the, you know, the Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area, and Alan Iverson's like a god here, you know? Yes. Like people respect him so much, not just because of what he was able to accomplish, but because of what he was able to overcome. It, it, the other thing about this kind of trope that you see in a lot of these films where it's the, it's the, the guy that kind of comes out of this rough background. They, they always seem to like gravitate towards like mentor kind of father figures. Obviously in, 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 in Creed, it's, you know, Rocky Balboa, you know, but you, you see this in, in real life too. Like Rodman had a really interesting backstory, you know, where he, he was raised by a, a family that was, you know, not, he wasn't related to biologically. And then, you know, kind of drifted into the NBA until he found sort of this, you know, mentorship and like the Phil Jackson, uh, Michael Jordan dynamic. I feel like it's really interesting to see that in real life, but also kind of explored in movies. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally connect with that. And I think that actually sets up my next one, which was Jesus Shuttlesworth uh, mm. from He Got Game. And yeah. I think just that, that movie, which, you know, uniquely Ray Allen, which, you know, obviously fantastic NBA player. He wasn't actually the first choice for that movie. Kobe was. Hmm. And Kobe really? passed up uh, Spike Lee because um, Spike Lee was the director and they went with Ray. But I just think that movie, again, just the storyline and I don't know, it was an amazing name. Jesus Shuttlesworth. It's just yeah. fantastic. So uh, that was my number three. Jesus Shuttlesworth. When's the last time you rewatched uh, He Got Game, Steve? Uh, you know, I watched it earlier in... Uh, it was probably April this year. Like, yeah. right. You know, I, I think I was going back watching sports movies, you know, when there was no sports, uh, yeah. when everything got canceled, I was like, I just need something. So I, I went back and like watched a ton of them, uh, probably April, May. Can, can I, this is probably a bad take and I'm probably gonna, and I don't care. It's sports. You're allowed to have yeah. a bad take. 
D- watching he got game, okay? Because Ray Allen and Jesus Trouble Force, it, it ended up being very fortuitous casting, right? He was yeah. perfect for it. It's hard to imagine Kobe in that role, you know? Yeah. Because I feel like the real life Kobe would have taken over the character of Jesus Shuttlesworth, you know? I don't feel like Kobe could ever be an actor because I don't feel like Kobe could ever not be Kobe, you know? <laughs> where where Ray Allen, I feel like, hey, he's pretty, not a bad actor, you know? But don't you f- and, and look Ray Allen had a a uh incredible NBA career, incredible basketball career in general, college yeah. included, right? The Olympics whole deal. Don't you feel like watching he got game he should have been a little bit better than he was. <laughs> like he got game, you're like this guy's got unstoppable. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. Ray Allen was good, but he wasn't Jesus Shuttlesworth. <laughs> That's that is really really true. I mean, you have a moment where you 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 get to be a character who's actually better than you in real life. You and know, and just, you're, you're a Hall of Famer, too. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> and that's a, I've never thought about that, but, you know, the closest thing that Ray got was that three-pointer uh, with Miami when, you know, the Heat should have totally lost and he hits it from the baseline. That's, yeah. that's, that's saved, that maybe saved his career from yeah. Jesus Shuttleworth being better. But yeah. I do do think, I do think Jesus is pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ray Allen does have two NBA championships. I'm, I'm, this is a pretty high bar to clear, uh, for Jesus Shuttlesworth, but I'm just saying watching he got game. You're like, he's unbelievable. Okay. So before we get to your two and one, I'll tell you, I'll I'll go ahead and tee up my number one here. Um, so, so, uh, this is, this is the Bill Russell role, uh, right here for my number one, Steve. It's someone who, um, you know, maybe slightly overshadowed by more sort of glamorous players. You know, um, but is the heart and soul of a team. A player, it can be a player, this, it could be a coach, you know, uh, but, you know, Bill Russell, arguably the, the most decorated NBA player of all time, but he's not someone you have on like the top of your list when you think of the most dominant, right? But in terms of just pure success, it's hard to argue with Bill Russell. That's why, and, and this is someone who has a strong moral compass is always selfless and always puts team above the rest, right? Like that's that's what to me the number one spot is. We got your Johnny Utahs, you got your Willie Mays Hayes, but who is the person that is the moral center, right? The what the player that everyone looks to that that just knows the difference between right and wrong is going to set the path, is going to be the person of character, and that is Dottie Henson from a league of their own. Uh uh just an unbelievable character played by Gina Davis who demonstrates what it means to be a good family member, a good spouse, uh, a good player, a good teammate, and someone who can motivate people, plus a league of their own, one of the great underrated sports movies, in my opinion. That's amazing, because I had her at number two. Uh, oh, I've been wow. Going, I've been going to Rockford uh, to, to do some to work at a church, and uh, uh, the Rockford Peaches is a big deal there. And so, yeah. like, it's got me, like, just got me, I rewatched that movie, and... Yeah, you're you're totally right, Dottie. I mean, here's this catcher who you know, and we know this from baseball. If you're if you're if you're the catcher, it's like the point guard. You're the coach on the field. Yeah, you got to you're, you're calling plays. You're calling signs. You, you got to know. You got to know so much. Uh, you know the the only thing about her why she wasn't number one for me was okay. because she uh, she didn't play game seven. Like she she walked yeah. out of you know, and again, it was for 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 moral reasons, which I yeah. appreciate and respect. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it, I think there's, there's like struggle with, did she put the team first, you know, yeah, but here she, was, she, here she was as a catcher, which we know is similar to like a point guard on the, on the basketball, uh, court, like 
is the coach on the floor. She's the coach on the field. And she was the only one that Tom Hanks actually saw as a true player. Yeah. Um, and he's like a male chauvinist in that movie. And, but he saw her, you know, as an actual ball player, he yeah. trusted her. She was tough. She could catch a ball with her bare hands. Yeah. Um, and she, she could catch a, a pop-up and do the splits. I mean, yeah. th- th- she's unbelievable. It will and sort of this conflicted relationship with her own celebrity. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. you know, she was on the cover of a magazine, became the face of her sport, but was pretty reluctant. And that's what yes. that's why I, that's why I don't want to overdo the metaphor with like a Bill Russell, but someone who really doesn't care about all of that, that's yeah. out there to be a good teammate, you yeah. know, and to be a leader. And look, look, if they get a little famous and get a little money, that's cool. But they're not doing it for those reasons. They're doing yeah. it for 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 other higher moral reasons, which Dottie just personifies. And that's what makes all. All of these other kind of characters, your, your Willie Mays Hayes's and, uh, you know, Bobby Boucher's and Cal Lawton, they're fun, right? You got to have them on the team. The team, yeah. Yeah, the other the other person that, the other role that I didn't really put, that made my honorable mention, that is on the team is like the kind of jovial, fun guy, like the locker room person, like Ham and Sandlot or Goldberg, Mighty Ducks. Like yeah. you need all of those guys. Yes. You need all those players, but you got to have your Dottie or you have no team, you know? Yes. What's cool too is... um is is Dottie Hinson, Gina Davis's character, was actually based off of an actual player, Dorothy Kamashek. Hmm. And I've been going to Rockford and they love their Rockford peaches. I mean, seriously, like you can still go to the city and, and buy a Rockford peaches hat. Um, and and really this this character, Dorothy or Dottie Henson, was like actually built on and played off of the the actual ball player, Dorothy. Kamashek, who is an absolute stud. I mean, you can you can look her up. She was an amazing, amazing player. And so it's just fun to see. Uh, and and honestly, that movie was so powerful because again, you you had Tom Hanks, who was a drunk male chauvinist, who just uh, I mean, the things he would say, you could never say um yeah. today. But he looked at Gina Davis's character and was like, You, you're a ball player. And yeah. she she was just fantastic. Well, Steve, it's a very high bar for Dottie at number two. I, I got to hear your number one. I, I, I have, I actually have no. I can even venture a guess right now. Maybe Benny the Jet. I, I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this because, like I said, Dottie's Dottie's pretty high bar. I want. I, yeah. I'm very curious about your number one. Yeah, I mean this. This is this is basically going to throw everything um, okay. out. Like all the respect you have for me, but <laughs> um, I, I think, I think for me, I just. I loved Happy Gilmore as a movie. Mm. And I just, uh, just that whole, again, it it just, I I was a big Adam Sandler guy. Yeah. Um, And I think I watched that movie. It's probably one, there was a run where I think uh, Adam Sandler was like, I think my generation's Will Ferrell for for today. I just watched those movies on repeat. And I mean, how many times do I go to Top Golf? And still try to run up and 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 drive the ball like you know Happy Wood and just the the whole entire premise. Uh, Shooter yeah. McGavin. I mean, you just all, all of these guys. I mean, just in that movie. I know it's silly. I know it's stupid on, in so many ways, but I just absolutely love uh, that movie. Well, so Steve, I but you know that first off, I love that Happy Gilmore number one because it yeah. represents so many interesting things about sports and sports movies. But if you were, to, you know, if you could break sports down into like, I feel like on, on one hand you have 
at the, like the Rudy's, right? Like the movies that take themselves very seriously, that have some sort of message. It's like your Coach Carter's. You know what I'm talking yeah. Remember yeah. the Titans? Like they're serious movies that happen to be about sports. Then you have the Caddyshack category yeah. where you got your Happy Gilmore's, you got your Talladega Nights, you, you got your ridiculous ones. Which ones do you, do you secretly, do, which ones do you enjoy watching more? If I could say, Steve, right now we can go back and watch, what, what's the, the Will Ferrell basketball movie, the ABA one? Oh, Jack. Moon. Tropic Thunder or, Tropic or no. Thunder. That's what it's. Uh, no, no, that, Thunder. Uh, they were the Flint Tropics in the movie. Either yeah. way, you, I, yeah, I can say, hey, any, any Will, Blades of Glory, any Will Ferrell sports movie, right? Yeah. Or you can go watch one of those that I just named that's like looked at as like from a film perspective, a good, important film with a good, important message. Which one are you popping on Saturday afternoon? In 2020, for how difficult and real life is, I'm probably going the comedy route. You know, I just, I need, I need a little bit lighter in this season. I think probably 2019, I would have answered, you know, the, the, the deeper, more, yeah. you know, uh, thoughtful, progressive kind of thinking, yeah. helpful to humanity video movie. But yeah. How about you? It- yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going comedy. There was a time that 2020 is not a legend of Bagger Vance year. 2020 <laughs> is a happy Gilmore year. Let's yes. just leave. And I also love too, Steve, that your example was when I go to Top Golf, I can't help myself. They, they Top Golf is one place where they explicitly tell people, hey, listen, so you can order drinks from a waitress. Uh, all the games are on the thing. You can recharge with 15 minutes left. Also, no happy Gilmores, please. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's part of this spiel. And it's like, yeah, right. I'm going to do a Top Golf on the third floor, and not do Happy Gilmore. Okay. Yes. Why am I? pain to be here you know and then you see like mike trout and he does it and just crushes it like over and you're like it works it works (laughs) (laughs) well steve steve this makes me want to do a deep dive uh back into some of my favorite sports movies man this was a lot of fun well okay so one question what movie right now would you go to to watch like the next sports movie which one are you going to watch like that, that so, so the, the currently existing, and I'm firing one up tonight. What, which one am I going to go to? Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this uh, because I, I appreciate you asking that question because, uh, my, I have a, a, a seven year old son and a daughter just turned five, and yeah. they have been obsessed. They've gone through a phase where they're obsessed with the movie The Sandlot, and, <sighs> I, I will, and I, and I haven't, I, I, I watch, I sat down and watch it with them one time, you know, but now it's just sort of on a lot in my house. So I'll kind of catch a scene here and there. Scene to scene, that movie is so good. Yes. And it, it, it represents so many interesting things and fun things about childhood. And, you know, they don't even keep score in the movie, you know, like they just playing baseball. It's just one long inning. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yep. It, it, there's, it, there's something so magical about baseball and summertime and being a kid. And there, you know, you come home when the lights, you know, when the sun goes down. Sandlot is absolutely it. It, it. it is maybe the perfect sports movie, in my opinion. I I love it. I love it. I mean, those the, the scenes at the end with him stealing third and 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 the guys, the announcer. I mean, it's just yeah. it's it's beautiful all what, around. What, it. What's your go to? Like, if you if you had to fire one up this weekend, what what sports movie is going to be? I, okay, it's not the movie, but I think I would go back to the Last Dance. I think I would just yeah. rewatch it again. I already, I, mean, I, I, think, already, I already did. I rewatched yeah. it recently. It, yeah. It's just, it's, it, I feel like once a month I've just been rewatching it. It's just, yeah. uh, it's, it still haven't, it just brings me back to all of the beauty of my childhood. Yeah. Well, so. well, 
Well, uh, Steve, I, I want to do this again, man. Maybe we can do one because uh, uh, people might not know this, but Steve's quite the sneakerhead, and we've had a lot of conversations about our favorite Jordans. I think we need to rank our favorite basketball shoes at some time, Steve. Yeah, let's do that. That would be amazing. That'd I got some. Dar- I got some dark horses on my list, <laughs> like the old the old Kamikazes, the Reeboks, you know, the Shaq Gnosis, the old school stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Some British Knights. There yeah, exactly. So exactly. I know you're you're. You're a, you're a Jordan three fan, right? I'm a, I love the black cement threes. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So. I, and you know, my feelings, I'm a Jordan 11, you know, yeah. that that's, but, uh, Hey, we'll, we'll do, we'll do sneakers on a, on a future episode. What do you say, man? Awesome. I love it, bro. Thanks so much, Jesse, for having me. All right, buddy. Hey, everyone, make sure to follow Steve at Steve Ryan Carter and subscribe to Home Team and Crafting Character. Seriously, you're not going to be disappointed. Um, they are incredible podcasts for insights on, on faith, on sports, on leadership, on pop culture. Check them out. Steve, thanks, buddy. Awesome, bro. Thank you, man. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.